everyone. Welcome to the Royville Movie House. The movie is over and all my popcorn is gone, so it's time to talk about our latest movie that we just watched. It was a good one. Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. Mr. Smith Goes to Washington is number 26 on the IMDb Top 100 of all time. Should be top five. That's all I'm saying. The movie was released in 1939. Buckle in. It's a long cast list and I do apologize. Gene Arthur played Saunders. James Stewart played Jefferson Smith. Or Jimmy Stewart. And Jeff. Claude Rains played Senator Joseph Payne. Not the Rains. Spelled differently. Probably. Edward Arnold played Jim Jim Taylor. Guy Kibbe played Governor Hopper. Thomas Mitchell played Diz Moore. Eugene Pallet played Chick McGann. Beulah Bondi played Ma Smith. Which, just so you guys know, Ma Smith also played his mother in... It's a Wonderful Life. It's a Wonderful Life. So, reprising her role, kind of? Anyway, carry on. H.B. Warner played the Senate, the Senate Majority Leader. Harry Carey played the President of the Senate. Harry Carey! Not the same... Oh. Sorry. That's sad. Astrid Alwyn played Susan Payne. Ruth Donnelly played Mrs. Harper. Hopper. Mrs. Hopper. Mrs. Governor. Grant Mitchell played Senator McPherson. Porter Hall played Senator Monroe. H.V. Caltenborn played... I'm going to have to say it again. H.V. Caltenborn. Charles Lane played Nosy. Nosy. Pierre Watkin played the Senate, the Senate Minority Leader. Dick Elliott played Carl Cook. William Demarest played Bill Griffith. Side note, fun fact, not sure what you want to call it, but Claude Rains, the name should sound familiar to those of you who are into classic horror. He played the original Phantom of the Opera in 1943. Oh, didn't recognize him without his mask on. <laughs> he is also in Casablanca. He played Prince John in The Adventures of Robin Hood, the one with Errol Flynn. And he was also the... That's invis- pretty cool. Yeah. He was also the Invisible Man in the... Not Invisible this movie. Man. Not in this one, no. Okay. Because then- I saw him every time he was on screen. So. <laughs> he was also in Lawrence of Arabia. So we have quite the veteran... As one of the top three, or, yeah, top three. One of the top three. All right. The movie was directed by Frank Capra, who was the same director as... It's a Wonderful Life? Yes. All righty then. The screenplay was written by Sidney Buckman. The story was written by Lewis Foster. And uncredited, but we're all pretty equal opportunity here... Miles Connolly helped with screenplay construction and dialogue. The movie is based on an unpublished story called The Gentleman from Montana, or in other sources, The Gentleman from Wyoming, by Lewis R. Foster. Yeah, I thought it was interesting that in the movie, they don't talk about where he's from. He's just a senator from a western state. Yeah. (laughs) It was was odd, because we... Actually, I think we paused the movie, and I'm like, where is he from? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we looked it up. Anyway. 
Um, all right. So the story is loosely based on the story of Senator Burton Wheeler, a true story who experienced similar, who had similar experiences in the Senate as Jefferson Smith when investigating, when investigating Warren Harding's administration. This movie, I'm just going to, you know, spoiler alert, it was good. It was real good. Uh, it was nominated 11 times for the Academy, but unfortunately it only won one. So it was nominated for Outstanding Productions through Columbia Pictures, for Best Director for Frank Capra, Best Actor for Jimmy Stewart. Better have been. But he didn't win. Well, at least he was nominated. Uh, best Writing for the Screenplay, because they used to divide this out. Best Writing for the Screenplay for Sidney Buckman. Best Writing for Original Story by Lewis R. Foster, and that one won. Best Supporting Actor for both Claude Rains and Harry Carey. Best, oh, of course. <laughs> best Art Direction. Lionel Banks. Best Film Editing. Best Music. Best Sound Recording. But that year... That year... They were tough up, year. It was real tough, actually. They were up against movies such as Gone with the Wind. Alright, never heard of it. Stagecoach. Yep. Secondly, never heard of it. Uh, Goodbye, Mr. Chips. Never heard of it. And The Wizard of Oz. Wizard of Oz? Isn't that some kid's movie? Jimmy Stewart did win. Yes, it is. Jimmy Stewart did win the New York Critics Circle Award for Best Actor. And in 1989, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington was added to the United States National Film Registry, one of the first 25 films entered into this registry, um, for its culturally... For its being culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant. Which I think that is very apt. It is. So, I have a bunch of history to talk about. But first, I'm going to talk about a conversation I had with my mom about this movie last night. Your mom? Yeah. <laughs> All right, well. Um, she talked about how in high school... They watched it, and one of her classmates so talked about it. So, high school a couple weeks ago. Yeah. I'm Love you, Mom. <laughs> uh, how one of her classmates kept talking about how the movie was saccharine. It was too patriotic. It was it painted the governmental process as being too good and too perfect. It's one of them uh, propaganda pictures. Well, it's sort of. It, well, it's not really a propaganda picture, but it... The fact is that the main character, Jefferson Smith, he faces obstacles. Mm -hmm. He faces conflict. He's fighting against corruption, but he doesn't necessarily take it 100% of the way down without taking himself with it. It's not a saccharinely sweet, a saccharinely sweet movie. He definitely uh, bleeds for his virtue, in my opinion. He does, and he's a good man. I'm not saying he's not a good man, but he's not a perfect man. He's not painted that way. Okay. He's not. He's painted as a naive man. There's well, a difference true. between... That is true. He like, is. He is. So, okay. So, I just wanted to say, I just wanted to put that out there. It is a... It struck me as, well, I'll save that for after we go over plot and everything. Okay. So, uh, Columbia purchased The Gentleman from Montana for, uh, for Ralph Bellamy to direct. 
Um, then Frank Camper was signed on as director after something happened to Ralph Bellamy. He got busy or whatever. Um, and originally, it was going to be a sequel to Mr. Deeds Goes to Town. It was going to be Mr. Deeds Goes to Washington. Oh. Uh, starring Gary, uh, Gary Cooper. Never heard of it. You never heard of Mr. Deeds? Are you being real? I'm real. <laughs> I probably have in the annals of history, but I don't remember it. I'm not sure that I've seen a complete Mr. Deeds movie, but it, it's a big... Ser- well, I don't know how many movies are in the series, but it's a Gary Cooper vehicle, which made oh, it's it popular. Oh, it's not Sandler? It was remade. It was remade with Mr. Sandler, I think. I have no idea. Maybe? Wow. Okay, anyway, I should have, maybe, I don't know. But since we're not watching a Mr. Deeds movie, I didn't feel the need to go into great no, detail no, about yeah, that. Yeah. No one really ever needs to go into an Adam Sandler movie. Anyway, so. <laughs> Um, so, but Cooper was unavailable, so Capra immediately thought of Jimmy Stewart and Gene Arthur for the the lead two roles. Very good castings, and that's not even that I'm a Jimmy Stewart fan. Um, Jimmy Stewart was, we figured it out, he was 31 when the movie came out. Oh, I thought he was 38. No. Or no, Gene Stewart was, Gene Stewart was 38. Yes. Correct, Yes. So Stewart was actually have uh, they had to actually borrow Stewart from MGM because he was signed into a contract with them. This is at a time that all of the major movie studios had like stables of actors and production mm. crew. Um, so they borrowed Jimmy Stewart from MGM, and we have Mr. Smith goes to Washington. Uh, just as some fun facts, there is an organization featured in the movie, the Boy Rangers, yep. and. Uh, Jeff Smith is the head. I don't know if he's the national head or the state head. I think he's the state head of the Boy Rangers. Uh, and the reason it's the Boy Rangers and not the Boy Scouts of America is that the Boy Scouts of America refused to allow their names to be mentioned in the movie. Oh, wow, that's interesting. <clears throat> MGM and Paramount submitted the story to the Hayes office, which are the censors for, for motion pictures. Mm-hmm. Um... And they submitted it before Paramount. So there was some interest and some buzz involved with this. However, Joseph Breen, the head of that office, warned the studios, we would urge most earnestly that you take serious counsel before embarking on the production of any motion picture based on this story. It looks to us like one that might well be loaded with dynamite, both for the motion picture industry and for the country at large. Well... After watching it, I can I can understand that. Breen specifically objected to the generally unflattering portrayal of our system of government, which might well lead to such a picture being considered both here and more particularly abroad as a covert attack on the democratic form of government. Hmm. Yeah, <laughs> it's, uh, it's dynamite. And that kid in 1972-ish said that it was a sickeningly sweet movie. It's dynamite. Right. Um, So we just watched the movie. The sets were painstakingly recreated to make it made to look authentic, especially the Senate chamber. Yeah, it actually, I mean, it looked pretty good. It's kind of black and white, but... Other than that, it was pretty good. I mean, like, it looks like it, yeah, add color and 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. James D. Preston was the former super a former superintendent of the Senate Gallery, was the technical director for the set and the advisor for the political protocol. So everything is pretty authentic looking and pretty authentic moving. Um, the ending was changed, and I'll talk a little bit about that when we get to the plot. Uh, the movie premiered in Constitutional Hall in Washington, D.C., sponsored by National Press Club. There were 4,000 guests invited and 45 of them senators. The movie was attacked as anti-American and pro-communist hmm. by the Washington press and politicians in the U.S. Congress because of the portrayal of the corruption. Okay, I don't know, understand why it's communist, but anyway, go well, ahead. Well, at the time, we were starting at the very, very, very baby beginnings of the Red Scare. And anything that was anti-American was obviously pro-communist. Okay, I'll give you that. Capra says in his autobiography that some senators walked out of the screening. But it is unclear based on the contemporary reports or if senators yelled back at the screen. It's, it's just unclear whether that actually happened or not or if, if Capra was just exaggerating to get some clout in his autobiography. It is known that Albin W. Barkley, a Democrat and the, senator, the Senate Majority Leader, called the film silly and stupid and said it makes the Senate look like a bunch of crooks. He also remarked that the film was a grotesque distortion of the Senate as grotesque as anything ever seen. Imagine the Vice President of the United States winking at a pretty girl in the gallery in order to encourage a filibuster. Barkley thought the film showed the Senate to be the biggest aggregation of nincompoops on record. Wow, can't say that ten times fast. And I tried. Well, I mean, I can understand. They're obviously not portrayed as superheroes or anything. Um, Pete Harrison, a respected journalist and publisher of the Motion Picture Trade Journal, Harrison's Reports, suggested that the Senate pass a bill allowing theater owners to refuse to show films that were not in the best interest of our country. That didn't happen. Oh, wow, that would have made a lot of movies not see the light of day if that was passed. Yeah. So in response to all of this press, all of this naysaying about the movie, Columbia just basically put out a bunch of advertising, trailers, posters, articles, Stating basically how American the movie really is. We we watch, there's a big scene of, I mean, it's what, like close to five minutes of just no dialogue, just Jefferson Smith looking at various different monuments around Washington, D.C., specifically the Lincoln Memorial. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a few other things. Uh, Joe Kennedy who at the time was the ambassador to Great Britain. Kennedy, like, you know, Robert, John, mm-hmm. wrote to Capra and Columbia head Harry Cohen. He feared that the movie would damage U.S. prestige in Europe. Basically, Columbia responded to that by sending him copies of their advertising campaign, <laughs> which I guess, like, kind of 
made him feel better. He didn't really follow up, but he still had reservations. This is a two-hour movie, Steve. Um, the movie was banned in Hitler's Germany, Mussolini's Italy, and Franco's Spain. Was that surprising? Actually, I'm surprised. It's everybody saying it looks makes uh, the U.S. have a bad reputation that they would ban it. I think they'd want to watch it. Right? But anyway, um, so they were banned in those three areas. When Germany occupied France, there was a ban on American entertainment in Paris specifically, and I think probably countrywide, but Paris being the focal point of it. Uh, many movie theaters in Paris played the movie some of them as the last movie that they played before the ban went into effect some of them as protests there was a movie theater who played it straight every day for 30 days until they got shut down wow. um the movie was released in the ussr 1950 which is close to 10 years it's 11 years after it was released or after it was released and they called it the senator so that's basically what we got as far as history stuff is concerned, there's a few things that I might like pepper in as we talk about the plot, but uh, they don't make a whole lot of sense right now. Okay. I just thought it was interesting that Joe Kennedy, not even living in the United States, was like, uh, guys. <laughs> but anyway, so now we can talk about the movie. All right, so now that we got the hist most of the history stuff out of the way... Uh, let's talk about the actual film, what happened in it. Alright, so, it starts off with a governor of a western, western state. state. yes. Mm -hmm. Governor Hopper, uh, is charged with, well, he's informed that one of his senators has passed away, so. Right. Evidently, their state constitution indicates that the governor appoints the replacement for a deceased sitting senator. Yeah, so there's but, there's a little corruption going on in that state by a Taylor? Jim Taylor, yes. Jim Taylor, okay. So there's a little corruption, and he tells the governor, hey, you got to get this guy in because he knows how to play ball. Right, it's Horace Miller is the guy's name, if that means anything. But, like, if you're watching the movie during the first, like, 25 minutes, his name gets bandied around a little bit. But I don't think he's ever actually in the movie. I don't no, think. I don't think so. Um, so, but the governor wants this other guy. And I remember this guy's name. It's Harry Hill. Okay. Harold Hill is the title character. Well, not the title. Well, yeah, the title character of the music man. Okay. So that's how Never I Never seen it. Yep. I know. <laughs> All right, so uh, so we have these two candidates, and they're fighting back. They're the, fighting back and forth. Well, Jim Taylor and the governor are fighting back and forth. Right, and the governor says, "I can't, you know, have your candidate be the senator because I'm going to get basically strong armed out of office." And so he's eating with his children. Some of his children are, like we said before, these boy rangers. Boy rangers. And they decide to strong arm him to get their boy ranger leader, Jefferson Smith, because he's the best guy ever. He has a he has his own newspaper even, Dad. 
So. But basically, Governor Hopper is torn, obviously. So he decides to flip a coin. What happens to the coin, Steve? It gets stuck on a paper and does not go left or right and fall down. So he has to take the third option on a 50-50 chance. And what's that? Jefferson Smith. All right. So Jefferson Smith, not a politician, just a leader and a head of a boys group and a young man, actually. And very patriotic. Incredibly patriotic. He's teaching these boys about like American history and and how to be a man, I guess. I How to be a man and someone that also respects the the state and the nation that they live in. And his argument though In a good way. Yes. <laughs> in <laughs> the governor's argument is that he's he's naive. He's he's malleable. So they'd be able to manipulate him in Washington because he's a newcomer. He doesn't know what's going on. So the mobster, teamster? I don't know what he exactly is. Jim Taylor, he's in construction, so I would guess mobster. So the bad guy decides, all right, he's someone that we can probably manipulate, but it's on you, Governor. So he gets appointed. There's a big... Dinner, everybody likes him. He says a nice speech that he's, you know, kind of a humble guy. The kids give him his briefcase. There's a little cute thing with the kids. They give him a briefcase for all of his bills that he's going to uh, enact in Congress. And push comes to shove. He's sent to Washington. And taken under the wing of the already seated senior senator who was a friend with Jeff's father and Jeff basically really likes this guy kind of idolizes this uh, other senator for his state so there's a little cute scene in the train station in DC where they show Jefferson gathering his luggage and he brought his pigeons with him. Brought his pigeons. Also, uh, he is mobbed by a group of young hanger-ons, mm-hmm. uh, some women that um, I guess like senators. I don't know. It's a well, little he's weird. he's a handsome man. He is a handsome man. And, and he's famous now. And he's famous now. And one of them who will come up repeatedly in the movie, is the daughter of the other senator who he idolizes. Senator Payne. Her name's Susan. Her name's Susan, and my gosh, I think she's just one of the prettiest women I ever saw. Yeah, he said that a couple of times. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So, basically... He gets sworn in on the Senate floor. Well, no. he the, Like oh, we said right, earlier, right. he goes on this montage of basic... Because Jefferson Smith is no joke about his love of the nation. He idolizes the United States, idolizes everything about it. And so he goes... When he's in, when he's in Washington, he goes and basically sees all the sights. All of the sights. And he was enticed out because he saw the dome of the Capitol. And that he seems so enamored with that, which is wonderful because that's where he's going to work. Right. 
And he just wanders on a tourist bu- a tourist bus and just takes the tour. Then there's a little thing about how he doesn't show up and where is he and is he lost. So he finally gets to his office and meets... Saunders, his assistant secretary? Secretary. I would, I would say probably senatorial secretary. And Diz, who is a reporter? Who is a reporter who is played by, ironically enough, the same guy... It plays his uncle, uncle Billy. in It's, it's a, a Wonderful, wonderful Life. life. <laughs> yes, yes. But anyway, so Diz and Saunders kind of have this thing about how she wants to get out of this. She's getting a little old in her jaded. 38 years of age. She's jaded. She doesn't like Capitol Hill anymore. And she wants to get out. And so when Jefferson Smith show up... She's kind of rude to him. Uh, he peeks his head in and says, is this Jefferson Smith's office? And she's like, no. Right. So he starts to leave. And then she's like, oh my gosh, it could have been Jefferson Smith. <laughs> so yeah. So there is a little bit of uh, a back and forth between them two. The first meeting doesn't go very well. That is important for later. It is important for later. Um, foreshadowing! But anyway, Saunders, um, goes to Payne after meeting Jeff for the first time and says to him that I'm out, I'm out, I'm not going to do this because he went on a big speech basically about the the Capitol Dome and the light shining on it. Well, she initially thinks that he's just a... A faker. Kind of, yeah, a faker, kind of a scam artist. He can't believe all this stuff. Anybody in their right mind wouldn't believe all this stuff. And so she goes to Payne, and Payne basically is just like, no, you should stay. I bribes her? Um, I can't really remember. But, yeah, basically... Some oh saying that you know you might be able to ascend to a oh, to a better, better position, a better job. You, yeah, yeah, better job. Yep, yep. So she stays and hooks him up with Nosy, I guess, who's a reporter. Yes, um, who is played by the same guy. That will eventually own a department store in Drug Mayberry. Store. Oh, oh, department, no department store. Yes. Oh, you're right. Old Ben. <laughs> you're right. I'm sorry. My bad. Uh, yep, yep. Old Ben and Mayberry. Anyway, go ahead. Anyway, there is a lot of crossover. Steve was like looking a lot, like pausing the movie, like, is that? It is like there's, there's a like, lot of people in this movie that have been in other things. So mm-hmm. yeah, so uh, that I am aware of, we'll say that <laughs> more importantly. Aware. So basically, Saunders sets up basically a press conference by talking to Nosy and giving him the scoop on the new guy. Uh, so there's about ten reporters that come to the office and start talking to Jefferson, and he's enthusiastic. He's talking about the bird calls that he knows because he's the leader of the Boy Rangers. And they're trying to kind of stick it to him. Basically, they take a bunch of pictures of him doing bird calls and mimicking things and whatnot, and adding different like like he. He did a bird call where he was holding his nose to make a nasally. Right. So they're basically using all of this stuff 
to make him look like a fool. And the headline on the the nose holding thing is Mr. Smith sniffs his first in Washington, like that kind of thing. Yeah, it is yeah. it is completely made up headlines to real photos taken out of context. Right. So Mr. Smith, Jeff sees these things because he gets made fun of. Oh, that happened before he was sworn in. Yeah. Because there was pain presented him and the other senator stood up and objected because he's Right, right. Because of his this this press. Mm-hmm. So I'm sorry. He didn't get sworn in with no incident. There was this incident, but so he goes around after that, and starts punching everyone that makes fun of him. Knows he's hiding in a bar, and one of the reporters is just like, basically, this is the way it is. You right. gotta get a thicker skin, or you gotta move on. So he talks to Saunders and talks to Mr. Payne, talks to Senator Payne. And they decide in order to get, um, not, not Saunders doesn't decide this, sorry, Mr. Payne, Senator Payne and Mr. Senator Payne and the mobster guy. Taylor. Taylor, thank you. Senator Payne and Taylor decide to just distract him. So Senator Payne tells him he should present a bill. He should present a bill about, uh, to bring a national boy rangers camp to his state. Yeah, what do you want to do? What what if you could do a bill, what is the bill you want to do? So Mr. Smith's like, you know what, I'd like to make a camp where we could bring boys from all around and teach them how to be men and teach them this about this great country and well, that sounds like a great idea. Jeff, you go do that. You do that and Thinking, that's going to be a great idea. That'll keep him busy. And don't worry about those other bills. I'll just tell you how to vote. During that press conference, Jeff Jeff talked about the idea of this. And the idea was that the U.S. government wouldn't be paying for it. But it'd be paid for... Well, they would pay for it up front. And then the boys that go to it will basically be paying the government back. So it's a win-win. Yes. And they were going to... Pay for it back by nickels and dimes. Nothing more than a dime. Mm-hmm. I remember that. That stuck out in my head. Uh, so he stayed, He goes back to his office and he starts to talk to Saunders about what needs to happen. And she thinks he's crazy because you can't just do that. This he, is your first day. <laughs> she doesn't say that, but yeah, that's true. Well, basically, <laughs> that's what she's saying. But basically, she she outlines like how hard it is to get a bill through Congress. You have to present it to the committees. The committees have to approve it. It has to go back down to the House of Representatives, and they'll add stuff to it and take stuff out that they don't like, and then it'll come up to the Senate, and the Senate will do it, and it has to go over and over and over again until finally maybe it gets a vote, and it doesn't look at all like the bill that you put forward. Right, and this is after months and months, if your bill even gets to that stage. I thought it was weird because I thought the government was a little bit more efficient than it is now. Evidently, I was wrong. (laughs) Because it sounds exactly like what happens now. So, 
he basically is like, yeah, and starts writing the bill with her. Like, he hand waves. He yeah, won't he's just like, take no for an answer. And so they write the bill together, and they stay up all night so that he can present it the next day, and she is enamored with him at this point. Yeah, she starts to, you can see it in her face, that she's starting to kind of get on board with this Jeff Smith, kind of seeing that, Maybe he's not a fake. Maybe he actually believes and he's actually a good guy that could do something great for the country. And then she finds out where he wants to build the camp. Where does he want to build the camp, Steve? Exactly where the mobster guy, Taylor, wants some things built for his boys, basically. Yeah, it's like a dam and some other stuff. Right, yeah. They basically want a dam constructed and it's going to help Taylor and all the corrupt officials in the area and it's basically that smack dab where jefferson smith wants his boys camp so she's like oh this will be this will be fun so she goes to the gallery thinking that she's gonna set him up at this point she's not totally on board with the whole smith uh, agenda here She's enamored with him, but she's still jaded. Correct, yeah. She still wants to see some mean-spirited humor happen here. So he stands up and does this thing, reads it out, says where he wants the location to be, and Senator Payne and a few other senators kind of go up in a tizzy because he's got more than, Taylor's got more than Senator Payne on his payroll. Right. He's got at least three more because there were about three people, including Payne, that went off the floor when he read that in. So Taylor figures it's time for Smith to meet him because he's going to actually play politics now. Mm-hmm. This happens and Saunders leaves and goes and gets drunk and tells Diz well, they're going to go get married. Diz and Saunders are going to go get married. Because she just can't, because she knows what's going to happen to Smith and she's kind she of starting, it. right, she's kind of starting to be a little guilty about it. She, I think she likes Jeff at this point. Like, just thinks he's a good guy. And Even though he doesn't think Clarissa is a, a name that's as pretty as Susan. Right. Susan. Which no is, offense to Susans out there. It's just, it was just a weird little plot there right. with her. Well, it's... There's obviously something going on between Smith and Saunders. You can kind of see that there's a little bit of a kind of a romance. Granted, he's a little younger than she is, but kind of a romance going. But he's also young, and so he's enamored with the young pretty girl who is basically being thrown at him. So there's kind of this... She's the one, she's the girl next door, and Susan is the cheerleader. And he's enamored with the cheerleader, yes. The cheerleader takes him out, wines and dines him, gets him a new suit, all that stuff. And Saunders, the evening that he reads the bill, and he figures out that he's going out with Susan, she gets drunk. She goes out with Diz, and they get drunk. And Susan's like, Susan. Saunders is like, you know what, Diz? Let's go get married. Which calls back to the first time we see the two of them. Mm-hmm. Diz jokes about marrying. So they keep going back and forth. And actually, I kind of thought they were going to get married, even though she was drunk. I mean, the, just as much as she, he kept steering her back to it. And she's like, yep, yeah, that's right. We're going to go get married. But thankfully, they don't. 
she go, they go back to the office so that she can grab her stuff because she is done. She cannot watch Smith be corrupted like the rest of them. And she hands him a copy of the appropriations bill. Reparation? Maybe it's an appropriations bill. It's basically something that's showing... Where the dam is going to be. Yeah, where the dam's going to be. And he's disillusioned. He goes to Payne. And Payne goes to Taylor. Yeah, doesn't know how to handle him. Goes to Taylor. Taylor will then have a meeting with Smith. And it won't go very well. Because Smith is not a man that can be corrupted. And basically puts the political middle finger to all of them. And that's where the badness starts for Mr. Smith. Correct. So basically Taylor's like, we got to run this guy out of town. And he talks to Payne, who's now actually starting to really like Jeff. He's like, no, I don't want to play this game anymore. I'm out. You do what you need to do, but I'm out. I don't want to have any hand in taking Jeff down. Taylor says, well, I made you, basically, I can break you. Do you want to go back in, basically, disgrace back to unnamed Western state? And so he strong arms pain into helping him, and it starts to roll downhill for so, uh, yeah. Jeff. It, Jeff speaks out on the Senate floor against the, the dam. That and, specific article. Yep, and then Payne immediately basically gets up and accuses Jeff and kind of starts to drum him out of... This is kind of the first initial salvos mm-hmm. of getting Jeff out of the Senate. And it starts steamrolling from there. He then starts to talk to Saunders about, well, what can I do? So he's brought before... I mean, it goes so far as he is brought before the committee. Yeah, I mean, there's like, there's a there's like handwriting analysis the, and there's a basically a trial to see if he's still fit to be a senator. There's a bunch of different experts that come in because they have documents that supposedly Jeff signed because they're saying that Jeff is trying to do this project with the dam so that he can get all the money for with the it camp, not the dam. with the camp. Well, yeah, but basically, correct. Yes, I, I apologize. He's doing this with the camp so that he can get all this money. It's it's kind of, he's trying to stick it to... I mean, they faked, they faked a deed that he actually owed the land. They somehow tracked mail that the, the kids had already started mailing some dimes and nickels and pennies to him. So he was... He owned the land, and he was taking money from kids, and they did everything but made him like the devil. Right, and so it basically came down to they're going to drum him out. Do you have anything you want to say in your defense? And Jeff, being the noble man that he is, he once again put his political middle finger up and said, this is BS, and I'm out of here. He ran away. I will, And he ran out of the room. I shouldn't say he ran away. He ran out of the room. Right, he, and, he, and he, you know, really... I mean, it does once again kind of show his naivety, naivete, naivety, naivete, naivete. Sure. Okay. We'll go with that one. (laughs) Um, But it also shows that, you know, he's a simple man. He, he had this ideal of what things were 
do what things how things would should happen and all of this being thrown in his face all of these people that he respects because he respects the office of the senator he respects the government and they're all trying to railroad him at least that's what and lie getting experts to specifically lie mm-hmm. because they're saying well this it's obviously his handwriting when he never even met the guy met the guy <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure he never met the guy, yeah. but uh, that he supposedly bought the, the right, link. right, right. Um, so he goes and he goes to link the Lincoln Memorial one last time because he's going home. He's done. He can't. Mm-hmm. He's he's been drummed out, and Saunders finds him there with his luggage. At his lowest, actually, it was a really sad, sad scene. It's that whole moment where you really grow up and see that the world is hard Mm -hmm. and but jeff is sitting on his luggage and he is crying like which was an unusual thing to see in 1939 it's true it's true a grown man true and yeah anyway but that's i think where the last of saunders hearts melts and she knows about the system. She's been around for a while. She knows about the system. And she thinks that she knows what he can do. And so with renewed vigor, with basically a pep in his step, Saunders and Smith run off to start planning. So the next day, after the committee decides to expel Mr. Uh, Senator Smith... Uh, to expel Jeff, he goes and with the knowledge that before the vote on the Senate floor to expel a senator, they are still a senator and can control the floor. Yeah, if they get control of the floor, they can control it. And he's getting this information from Saunders. And so he starts a filibuster and it's a sensation. The reporters empty out. Yeah, well, basically what he's trying to do is he's trying to basically do this filibuster so that he can be heard. He is trying to say what he needs to say and get that information back to his state because he's thinking, you know, that the reporters are going to report on what he's saying. It's going to get around his state and then he is going to, being the good man, get everybody on his side against these corrupt people. So he just starts talking. He talks about the boys camp. He talks about the dam. He reads the Declaration of Independence. He reads the Constitution slowly because that's a line in there. <laughs> right. And I mean, and it's a... It's a really cool scene. It's a cool scene. It's a poignant scene. It You have other senators... Will you yield? And then he doesn't know what to do. So he looks up at Saunders and she's like pointing to the uh, speaker and saying, you need to ask him. Basically, she is directing. She is helping him. She is his guy, girl, sorry, girl Friday, guy Friday, guy Saturday. Anyway, girl (laughs) Friday and basically directing him on what he needs to do. So it's kind of this fun little back and forth with them. The speaker is kind of... The president of the Senate. Sorry, the president of the Senate. Thank you. Why didn't you correct me the first time? Anyway, so... Sorry. (laughs) uh, 
he's kind of in on it. Well, he's not in on it, but he finds it humorous. He seems to be actually sort of in Jeff's corner. He actually seems to be a good person. Yes. Which I think is what Jeff... I mean, if he was corrupt as well, I don't think there's anything he could have done. But... Anything Jeff could have done. But, so you have all these senators, you know, trying to basically weasel their way so that Jeff does not have the floor anymore. And with Saunders' help and the... President. President. Thank you, man. Of the Senate. It's the vice president. It's literally the vice president. I know, it's the vice president. president. I just can't think of... (laughs) I can't remember what they call him. I'm just going to say vice president. President Protomp. Protomp. (laughs) So the vice... And with the vice president's support, he is able to keep this going. And he has senators walking out. He has senators trying to challenge him. He has senators... Uh, asking questions that he has to direct answers for. And it is this huge thing. Well, while all of this is going on, what is one of Taylor's biggest industries that he controls? Um, The media. The media. So what do you think happens when the media at the Senate decide that they're going to go and report everything. Yeah. They block everything. They basically block everything. To that state. To that state, correct. And not only do they block it, Taylor changed it around that Jeff is actually trying to destroy the state, get what he wants out of the state. Basically, painting Jeff exactly like what Taylor actually is. Jeff has been talking and on his feet at this point for 23 hours. Mm -hmm. A total of 25 hours is the whole filibuster. But he brings in... And if he... Well, and, and they state that if he stops talking... Or sits down. If he sits down or if he yields, he's done. If he yields the floor. If he, he can, yields the floor, He can right. yield for questions. Right, but if he yields the floor, he stops talking or sits down, he is absolutely done. So he cannot do any of those things. He can't leave to go to the little boy's room. He can't tinkle. He can't go for food. Nothing. And so they come back to him after all of this is established. They, there's, a, there's a long scene with Taylor fixing everything with the media back home. And there's a whole thing where Saunders is like, well, that's it. We're done. And somehow gets an idea. I can't remember how he, how she got the idea. But to use Jeff's newspaper that he was, like his newsletter. Yeah. He, he had a little newspaper that he ran with the Boy Rangers. It was like a four-page paper. But Saunders gets this idea that... We're going to have all of those kids around the whole state basically print what we're saying and then get it into everyone's hands. So they use the Boy Rangers back home. And now that's how that whole thing starts a movie. Once again, the David and Goliath story. Yes, exactly. So that, that whole machine starts a moving, and 
they come back and Jeff is just, he's hoarse and he's... Yeah, he is, uh, Jimmy Stewart plays this very, very well. You can always tell a good Jimmy Stewart when he has to be down and out. He looked horrible. He looked like he couldn't go on anymore. And then Taylor has, well, pain with Taylor, but Taylor basically has them bring in all of these writings from the people, telegraphs, writings, letters from the people of the state and basically tells Jeff, you want to know what the people really think? Payne says this. You want to know what the people really think about you, about what's going on here? Well, the propaganda machine has produced all this, has produced all of this, and he just reads letter at Jeff Smith, Mm -hmm. reads letter after letter of, you need to stop this, you're a horrible person, you're trying to destroy our state, and it just basically breaks Jefferson. But then he turns around after a smile from the president of the Senate, just a little smile, like a sad smile, and he says... I'm going to keep talking until someone listens, basically, mm-hmm. but just succumbs to exhaustion. He just collapses, cannot stand on his feet anymore. And Payne leaves the Senate floor. And Payne leaves the Senate floor. Well, so he collapses. Payne leaves the Senate floor. And we hear gunshots. And then we hear gunshots. A few senators run out. I don't know why it was the senators and not somebody uh, like protection or anything. But they see what's going on. Payne is freaking out. He can't take this anymore. Jefferson's the good man. He's the corrupt one. He should be going home and start screaming and yelling that basically... The whole plot. He's all right. Yeah. He's, he's totally right. Jefferson's totally right in what he's saying. This is what's going on. And he just freaks out. So in essence, Jefferson did win the day by doing what he did. Because if he didn't do that, if he didn't basically fight to utter exhaustion, I don't think it would have convinced Payne to do what he did. No. And I think it was because he also, in right before he passed out, it wasn't just, I'm going to keep talking. Basically, he was like, he, he invoked his dad's memory. Right, yep, yep. And he was just like, because there is one man who's, you know, you fight, you fight until you can't anymore, and then you fight some more, basically. And, and, I, and we're, we're missing, I think, a very uh, interesting part of this whole thing. There's a letter. Uh, Saunders writes a letter because she gives him a book. Yeah, it was the Constitution. The Constitution. Right. <laughs> yeah, so she gives him the that. Constitution to basically help him, like, you want to prolong this here, read them the Constitution. And in the letter, she says, you know, read, the, read this to them. Slowly. Slowly. <laughs> so, obviously, you know, to, to take more time. And then she says, Dis thinks that I'm in love with you. And his finger is over the P.S. And his finger's over the P.S. And it says P.S. He moves his finger and Saunders says he's right. And it's just such a good moment because you want these two kids to get together. The, the other thing that I kind of glazed over is during 
the kids delivering all the papers and stuff, Taylor's men start attacking the kids. Right. All, like, well, in the state. In the state, yes. Yeah. And so Ma Saunders, or Ma Smith, sorry, calls Saunders and is like, you have got to tell him to stop. These kids are getting hurt. Like the last, like it's, they burn their presses. They, they steal their papers. They smash their wagons. The last thing that they show is this big dump truck running this car full of kids off the road. Right. Like it was... I was sitting there with my hands over my mouth going, oh, good Lord. So, that's how the movie ends, though, is... Yeah, so basically, the movie ends with... Them carrying Jeff off. Jefferson collapsing, Payne basically giving everybody what's actually going on, so Jefferson wins, and then they carry him off. And they, then, do, they do say that he's all right, he just passed. Well, right, right, right. They do say he's all right. But you see him basically being carried off. Credits. Yeah, it's a little abrupt. Mm -hmm. They changed the ending. Yeah, I did not uh, know this because I told Ellen after we saw the movie that, man, I wanted to see Saunders and Smith get together. And the ending was changed. In the ending that originally was filmed, Smith and Saunders, it's implied they're married and starting a family. Implied in that I'm assuming she's probably pregnant or they flash a ring or something. They show that he comes home to a big parade in his hometown as hail the conquering hero, you know, stuff. Taylor's political machine is crushed. Smith goes to pain and actually forgives him. And there's a last visit to Moss Smith. Nice. What was this on? This was just, they just filmed it and then cut it. I don't know why they cut oh, it. Oh, wow. Yeah. But, but you can see some of the footage that they filmed for this ending in the official trailer for the movie that Columbia released. Uh, yeah, I, I really like that idea because I really liked Saunders. Uh, and I think the woman's just beautiful. So I wanted to see these kids get together. I thought that Jefferson, uh, Smith, and Saunders, the, the looks that they had, the interactions they had were really cool. And then you kind of have that that she likes him at the end, and then nothing. Now, I understand why they ended it the way they did, because it, that was the point of the movie. The point of the movie was not... Saunders and Smith getting together. That was a, yeah, it was a subplot, but it was a really good subplot. Exactly. Um, and, and well done. And it was well done. The, they had some chemistry. The thing is, the, the Capra, Frank Capra do, did a lot of movies. He was the one who directed that whole Mr. Deeds film sets and stuff. And his big weakness, his weakness, obsession, his big... His favorite kind of character is the good man. Uh, so early on, it's the good man and what the good man can do. Capra likes to tell stories about what individual men, individual people can do to change the world. This is a really good example of that. That one man changed how that, how that Senate worked. Mm -hmm. and how that Senate would work from here on out, and how that state would work 
from here on out because the Taylor machine is done for at this point. Right. So the difference, though, as Capra started to get older, he started this this movie is seen as the turning point of just like the Mr. Deeds good man to the Mr. Smith good man. It's a good man surrounded by crooks and corruption and fighting through as many obstacles as possible until they get to It's a Wonderful Life where George is a is a good man but life is beating the crap out of him. Mm-hmm. And so this movie my mom's classmate was very very wrong. In order to in order for 1939 to show a grown man crying on the screen for anything other than his horse dying is odd and wasn't saccharine. It was to show that he was done. Like, he was so tired. He was, like, he was at that point where you can't do anything but sit down and cry. Yeah. So, I think I know this. What did you think about the movie, Steve? Well, I don't know. I was back and forth on it a little bit. I mean, it was... No, I liked it. I really like it. I like Jimmy Stewart. I mean, obviously, anybody that's listened to more than one of these probably knows that. But it's a really good movie. It's really well acted by everyone. Jimmy Stewart plays it great as the naive... Uh, young senator, and he even the the filibuster scenes were very poignant, very emotional. Um, I think, not wanting to get too much into politics, I think that anybody that goes to Capitol Hill should have to watch this movie. Um, but very well done. Watch it again, probably. Very well recommended. I give it. 4.9 filibusters out of 5. Okay. And, full disclosure, this was entirely the first time that I've seen this movie. And how did you like it? Did I, you like it? Did you not like it? I did like it. I liked it a lot. Actually, I was really struck. I think I said it earlier in the our talk here. You add some color, and it could be happening right now. Like, it was really not super sickeningly sweet it wasn't, it wasn't anti-American, but it wasn't rah, 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 we're perfect. It was depicting a more realistic look at how things work and how things can change. Yeah, I mean, in all fairness, I mean, some of the senator's actions and obviously the uh, character of Taylor were a little bit more stereotypical evil than probably they would be portrayed in real life or what they'd even be doing in real life. That's fair. Um, a little less gray and a little more black, if you know what mm-hmm. I mean. You know, mm-hmm. to to uh, uh, Jefferson Smith's white hat to their black hat. You know what I mean? Um, but that being said... It was still a very well-rounded movie, I think. Um, you had the basically one of the main bad guys in Senator Payne 
having these thoughts of, am I doing this for the right reasons? Why am I doing this? Maybe I shouldn't be doing this. Questioning his morals, his ideals, questioning Taylor. And obviously Taylor is the mustache twirling villain in this movie. Um, and then you have basically pain at the end of the movie, realizing that he's on the wrong side and he did wrong. And he tried to make it better. Uh, could have been too late because Smith did collapse, but right. it was just fainting from, well, just. He was fainting from exhaustion. He was going to be okay once they got him some water and, and, and some rest. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Uh, and what did I not like about this movie? Nothing. It Carry was, on. It had a lot of really interesting moments in that they did a really good job. The, the, the screenwriter did a really good job of doing that whole dramedy thing before that became trendy. Mm-hmm. Like there was a lot of really tense moments and real frustrating moments by design. And they'd break that up with something funny like Driz was was funny and Saunders was funny. They were funny together. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, there was a lot of, I was laughing out loud at some of the stuff, but when it got serious, it got serious. Very serious. And yes. it got pretty realistic. Mm-hmm. So yes, I really enjoyed the, the film. I am very surprised. I hadn't seen it before, but I hadn't. Mom's classmates very wrong because there were obstacles. He didn't win without the help of somebody feeling guilty. Right. Like, he would have, like, flat out lost because he passed out and they were going to vote him out. He was no longer a senator and that dam was going to go in there. Right. Had Payne just not given into his guilt, that's what would have happened. Which makes Claude Rain's portrayal of Payne incredible. Like, he was so good in this movie. And he wasn't bad as these other characters, but those movies were campy as, you know, they by design. They were campy. They were they were fun horror. They were fun swashbuckling, you know? Mm-hmm. He was really good and nominated for an Oscar, as he should have been. Mm-hmm. The other one that was nominated for an Oscar was Harry Carey, and he played the president of the Senate. He had, like, literally four lines. He got nominated for his facial acting mm-hmm. which was good i mean i'm not saying it was a bad nomination but i i found that surprising yeah that is a little surprising <laughs> it was that whole filibuster scene probably wouldn't have been nearly as good without those like sly sly laughs sly smiles mm-hmm. a, as it said in my quote earlier a wink <laughs> at Saunders in the gallery to Mm -hmm. keep things going. So, yes, I enjoyed this movie tremendously. However, our next movie, neither one of us is going to like that much. Well, you know, it does look like they are lighting the lights. They are lighting the lights on the streets of Royville. So, I think it's about time we get out of here. And that was our review of Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. Great film. Top five films of all time. You know it's really good when Steve doesn't have an alternative name I don't. It. It's, it's a very apt name. Very good movie. However, that does mean, since we did a good movie, we got to do a bad movie next. And where are we going next, Ellen? Well, I think... 
think it's the jungle or an island or anyway, it's the wild women of Wongo. Whoa, wild women. This might be a. Yeah, it's probably uh, gonna probably suck. It, yeah. it's, I I've not actually seen it, and it's one of those very much riffed upon movies that I'm actually kind of surprised I haven't yet. Hmm. All right. Well, we won't see it riffed. No, not we're gonna no. we're gonna sit there and and bleed soak our eyes in. out if we have to. <laughs> we get to soak in the glory. So, with that being said, is there any final thoughts on this movie or anything before we uh, let the? I don't know why you're not watching it now. That's true. You should be watching Mr. Smith now. And if you have any political <coughs> aspirations, you need to watch this movie. <laughs> and then every other movie that Jimmy Stewart did. But that's not just a fear of Washington or political aspirations. That's just in general. Yes. Steve recommends that to everybody. It is. It's a very, very good movie. So that being said, I hope everyone has a good night. We're going to get out of here before they lock us in. So until next time. Bye. Bye.